Hi, this is Beth AQ, and this is the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. The Glass House is a space for spoken word artists, poets, sound makers, audio storytellers, emerging cultural leaders, thinkers, writers, and anyone who celebrates story as a means of self-expression, self-representation, and community building. I hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at BethanyAQ or the Triple R website. I acknowledge that we broadcast on stolen unceded lands, the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who have cared for this land since time immemorial. I pay deep respects to Elders past and present. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Coming up on the show today, I'll be joined by wonderful playwright, poet and screenwriter Sukjit Kulkasa ahead of some teen slam poetry workshops that she has coming up with the State Library of Victoria. And a little bit later on in the show, I'll be joined by Sam Regal from Sticky Institute, who's going to chat to me all about the annual festival of the photocopier zine fair this year, as is the world. It is happening entirely online. So I'm excited to hear how that is all going to play out. Excited to have my first guest joining me on the line. Sukjit Kulkalsa is a playwright, poet and a screenwriter. She's competed in the Australian Poetry Slam competition as a finalist, performed on Australia's Got Talent as a semi-finalist as well as presented at TEDx amongst others and has performed with artists like Missy Higgins and Al Fresh the Lion. Sukjit premiered her debut theatre show Fully Seek with Barking Gecko Theatre Company and Black Swan Theatre Company and is currently developing two TV projects. Sukjit joins us today ahead of some upcoming teen workshops happening for the State Library of Victoria. Sukjit, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks. It's good to be back. I feel like you're, you know, uh, Triple R is a blast from the past. (laughs) It is always a bloody pleasure talking to you, and it sounds like you've been up to some Absolutely incredible things. Before we kind of jump into your workshops, can you tell me a little bit about some of the work you've been doing, the theatre and the TV? Oh, absolutely. So I moved from Melbourne um, back home to Perth um, about two, two and a half years ago. And I moved for a theatre show, which was based on my childhood, growing up in Perth, Um, dealing with some bullying and standing up to the bullies. And it was a show for a teenage audience. Um, And it was all in poetry. So it was all in spoken word. And it was the first time I'd written something that was uh, 75 minutes long of poetry. So it was a great, great challenge. And I got to learn the craft of how to do it, how to write a theatre show. And now I'm really lucky because I get to kind of adapt what I've learned in theatre and adapt it to screen. Um, So I'm currently working on some TV um, projects. And one of them was this really exciting um, project by Ron Howard um, that we're doing in Australia for the first time called Impact. Um, And they basically buddied us up with a, uh, a screenwriter in Hollywood and we had to develop a pilot episode of our project, of our dream project, um, and kind of pitch it to a whole bunch of broadcasters around Australia and overseas. So it was a very intense process, but I feel like I've come out the other end a better writer. 
my gosh, there's so many amazing things in there. I, I mean, it, it, I know that kind of spoken word was your, you know, I, I would say maybe your primary practice and it's obviously translated into, you know, theatre and TV, which I think is really amazing. I'd love to know a little bit more about what you said, kind of translating what perhaps before was, uh, you know, maybe four or five minute poems into kind of a 75 minute play. Can you tell me a bit about that process of learning to write for the stage? Um, I mean, you're already writing for the stage, but I suppose in that long form way, what was that? What was that like? Oh, absolutely. So I feel like um, when I used to write a four or five minute poem, I used to only be able to get across like one nugget, one idea, mm. one theme, um, and it was very direct um, and it was very precise and I don't know, like it just felt like a mini movie. But then I learned how to extend that movie into a feature length. Like how do you actually... Um, you know, sustain a story arc and you get to develop characters, you get to develop plot, you get to bring in so much. Um, and it was really cool to, to still use my um, my poetry as the main communication tool. And it really taught me that um, those skills that I learned um, while being a spoken word poet um, are so useful in life, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, so great like communicating being really succinct learning how to edit like I was really interested in the editing process with um with you know theater and having a team collaborating and I was so relieved because I'm so used to being alone like Mm. you know when you're a poet and you're touring around you're it's just you and your suitcase so it's yeah it was I was really lucky yeah, I was just thinking that. I think going from perhaps spoken word, which, you know, when I think about is often, you know, you get up on stage and you perform and then you kind of come down. But a, a theatre show feels like there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people and a lot of um, ideas rolling around. How did you find, I suppose, that new process of um, collaborating with different people in that way? Oh, I found that, I mean, I'd been quite, before I said yes to this theatre show, um, I had been quite hungry to do something with other people because I think you get you get kind of um feel a bit lonely after years of just doing stuff alone Mm -hmm. and writing alone that it became really nice to be in a room with other people and actually like bounce off ideas there's different strengths that other people bring to the table um and it's really really like nice to actually co-write I know co-writing it's not for everyone um but I really love um yeah, I just really love it. Now, if you find the right team, if you find the right people and you all are kind of um, working towards the same goal, it can be such a like satisfying experience. But one thing that I wasn't used to was, um, you know, memorizing word for word mm. and every cue, making sure that if you're standing somewhere, you know, you've got to make sure that, like, I can't just ad-lib. Um, I'm so used to when I'm doing my own poetry and I'm, like, at a bar or I'm at, like, a poetry night. Like, I can just add myself into it very easily and kind of riff off the audience. And it's all about the live energy, whereas with a theatre show, everything has to be rehearsed and, you know, um, what you're doing. It was a one-person show, so uh, everything I did um, on stage, I had to make sure that, you know, I stuck to every little bit of the script and everything we'd rehearsed, which I wasn't used to because I'm so used to improvising. So um, that was a challenge because I had to bite my tongue a couple of times <laughs> and something funny would happen. Um, but, yeah, so it has its ups and downs. 
Mm. That is, yeah, it's very interesting because, of course, when you are performing, it is, it's such a valuable skill set to be able to think on your feet and improv and react to your audience. But, of course, uh, yeah, of course that changes when you're kind of moving into the theatre and, and TV worlds. I'd love to know a little bit more about that transition again from, um, from theatre moving into TV. How did you, how, did, how have you found that? Oh, yeah, I think that it's been even more, like it's refining my skills even more as a writer because with spoken word poetry, it's so free and it's so flowing and it's so like, it it almost doesn't have any bounds. It almost doesn't have any rules, whereas theatre does have a certain rule um, if you want to stick to the traditional sort of script. And then TV is like next level. Like I'm learning so much about problem solving and strategy and there's, um, it's almost like switching my brain from this, you know, oh yeah, I'm just going to like riff off this poetry to actually solving, solving a problem, which I'm, I'm not used to doing when I write poetry. So it's been really rewarding. Um, and it can be really challenging, which is nice because I think as an artist, it's really important to, constantly be challenged um so you can grow and I hope yeah it's making me a better writer and um yeah and I think I can only do those things when I've got the time and space and usually um I'm performing so much but for the last two years I actually haven't performed a lot at all like especially my own poetry Mm -hmm. um so it's given me a chance to kind of go inward um sit down and learn some new skills yeah, I'd love to know a little bit more about that. You know, the last year or so has, you know, undoubtedly changed the way that many artists are working. Uh, do you feel like, I suppose, your expansion into these different mediums have been kind of brought on or accelerated by the kind of current world we're living in? Or they do you feel like they're always things that you really wanted to, to try anyway? I feel like they. it was a bit of both. I feel like I've, I'm very lucky in my sort of artistic career. I feel like I've had a very... Um, unique experience with the road I've taken and how a lot of opportunities have really arrived at the right time and timing has been everything. So, you know, January last year, I applied for that Ron Howard Imagine Impact um, mentoring program um, and it was meant to all happen in Melbourne as an intensive for three months. Um, But because of COVID, I think after like a couple of months when things started to hit Australia, um, they switched it to an online program over Zoom. Um, and that really, like, it's almost like I didn't have a plan for 2020 and then suddenly, you know, getting accepted into a writing program, it can really set up your year. So I was really lucky that even though, you know, Perth, we are very, very utopia right now and we have been for a long, long time, um, it did still feel like I was almost mourning for... Melbourne, because that is where all my community is. That's where all my, you know, friends and all these amazing connections I've made. So I was feeling, I think I was just a very sensitive person. So I was just feeling the sadness of the world. Um, and I found it very hard to do, like, you know, I got asked to do some poetry performances online, but I declined them because I just felt like, for me, I just need the eye contact. I need that human connection and... Um, And I think it works for a lot of other people, but for me, I just felt like a little bit, you know what, I'm just going to spend these next two years or however many years um, just doing a bit of skills development, which um, I've always wanted to do, and Mm -hmm. this is good timing. 
Absolutely. And I think that so many people could agree that just the fatigue of uh, operating, even if you're not performing, but operating in the space of being online and, you know, people talk about Zoom fatigue. It is a really different way of communicating with each other and not having those, uh, you know, nonverbal cues or clicks or things that seem so important when it comes to the performance of spoken word, um, which I, yeah, I don't know how that's kind of translated uh, over the last 12 months. I'm sure it's, it's going well for a lot of people but it is a real a real shift and it is something that is yeah I think very different to to the what I think the essence of it kind of really is um, but in, in saying that you are um, about to be hosting a bunch of workshops for uh, young people between the ages of 13 and 18 for the State Library of Victoria it is online can you tell me you know I know that you've done quite a little bit of work with young people um, and, and writing and spoken word can you tell me a bit about what you enjoy um, about working with young people Oh, absolutely. So, you know, even though I've got a bit of, um, uh, I've had a break from my own performing, one thing I haven't wanted to take a break from is working with young people because that is honestly the most rewarding um, experience to spread poetry to the minds and souls of um, people that perhaps um, already have that passion or um, might not know that they might love it. So I think it's about trying something new, um, and I love working um, through different skills and how, you know, spoken word isn't just about, um, you know, for someone who wants to be an artist or wants to be a poet, but rather it's actually a great tool to have under your belt um, for communicating, and that's you know, I feel like I'm one of those people that struggled with communication, especially when it came to emotional content. Um, and a lot of spoken word um, is surrounding uh, the vulnerability of yourself, being authentic, um, sharing your truth, sharing what you want to um, talk about. Perhaps you haven't got a platform. Well, this is your chance to, to kind of make that platform for yourself. And it's so accessible, in my opinion, because... All you need is you, your creativity, um, and that's it. Like you, that's you don't have to bring anything else to the table except like an open mind, and um, and what you can come up with um, often surprises you. So, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. We're going to be on this journey, and I love that it's an Australia-wide program because of the online format. It really um, provides accessibility, hopefully, to um, you know people who couldn't have. Um, travel to a poetry workshop in the past so I'm really glad that um, yeah if you're a teenager out there and you want to hang out with me for the next month and we can um, even get to perhaps the last workshop you might even get to perform your poetry in front of everyone which will be exciting. I love that. It sounds so exciting. And I think you're so right. Like these skills are so transferable to so many different parts of our lives, just in being able to communicate with each other and expressing our ideas. Um, And I think they would be very lucky to be guided by you. Um, Sukhjit, I know that you're going to be covering um, the kind of nuts and bolts of poetry. Is there, what do you think people can kind of expect if we've got young people that are listening that are thinking about coming along? um, What kinds of things do you think you'll go through in the workshops? Well, I'd love to go through, like, perhaps some myths about um, spoken word poetry as well. I feel like if you've watched 21 Jump Street um, or if you've watched other movies that kind of show spoken word in a very funny light, I'd love to go through and make it a collaborative process so it isn't just me 
um, being at the front of a virtual classroom and talking at people, but rather bring that um, workshop interactive spirit. So it is about when we give feedback to each other's poems, it's not just me that's giving that feedback, but rather as a group, all of us um, really being involved and um, and also, you know, um, being a bit courageous as well. Like I think this is going to um, help us all kind of step out and connect and, and learn about each other because we're all going to be offering different perspectives on things that we're passionate about um, I'll obviously go through the, you know, the general um, poetry techniques that you can use. I'll also go through my process, my writing process. Um, every writer has their own process, so I'd love to go through my process of what I do um, to write a poem and from scratch to, you know, a finished poem. So it'll be a, it'll be a great journey, and I hope you know you can join me. Mm. It sounds like it's going to be a really wonderful series. Um, Sukjit, so thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh, always such a pleasure to chat with Sukjit that one. There was Sukjit called Kalsa who was chatting all about the upcoming workshops that she's going to be running for the State Library of Victoria. It is for young people between the ages of 13 and 18. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Festival of the Photocopier has become a staple event in the calendar for many writers, artists and readers alike. And this year, the annual festival Pivots Online, created and hosted by the dedicated team from Sticky Institute, a shop and resource devoted entirely to zines and joining us to speak about it today we do have coordinator Sam Regal to chat. Sam thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, It is a pleasure. Sam do you maybe want to start by telling us a little bit about uh, the festival it has been happening for quite a few years. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of it? Yeah so I think festival's been going for nearly 10 years um, and it started off in the subway that is like just outside of Sticky. Um, So initially it was, you know, 10 to 20 tables um, and then as each, you know, as it was hosted each year, it just kept growing and growing um, and eventually uh, we did move the festival to the Melbourne Town Hall, um, which was really amazing. And then, you know, at a certain point, we actually had to extend the festival to run over two days because of um, the popularity of people wanting to come and host a stall. And um, it actually recently it did reach the stage where we outgrew the town hall. Uh, so we have found a new venue um, at Meat Market. And I think last time we held the in-person fair, we had over 400 storeholders across the, you know, the weekend. It is amazing um, how it's grown over the years. Um, Sam, just before we go on, you know, Sticky is quite an iconic institute in Melbourne. For people that don't know much about it, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Sticky? Yeah, so Sticky is a zine shop. Um, So what we do in the store, so we do have a a big retail element to that. So we sell zines, um, and all of the zines that we sold are actually sold on consignment. So that means, you know, zinesters, when they've made a zine, they can bring it into Sticky, uh, you know, fill out some fun forms, and we can pop it on the shelves for them. And in that process, it means so Sticky takes a 20% commission. 
And that just goes back into paying things like our rent and the electricity and all the other sort of necessities that you have when running a shop. Um, and then also along with selling and stocking beans, we also do have a co-working space. So people are able to come in, obviously, when it's not um, during COVID and they're able to use, um, you know, we've got a big communal table in the middle of the store that they can use and also any sort of zine, um, you know, making supplies, so things like long arm staplers and guillotines, and we also do have a photocopier in the store, so everything you need to make a zine there. And I would say that Sticky is unique because it is entirely dedicated to zines, so that's the one thing that we are quite strict on is that you know we're a zine shop, um, and you know we want it all to be about zines. I think, um, you know, uh, zine culture is quite big in Melbourne and I, I think it's only grown through um, this festival. I, I'd love to know, before we kind of talk more about the festival happening this weekend, how have you seen the kind of zine culture in Melbourne change and evolve over the last kind of couple of years? I think it's definitely gotten bigger, I would say. Um, and, you know, I think even though zines are um, an analogue medium, I think, you know, the rise of the internet, um, I think there's been some really beautiful communities and connections, um, you know, within the zine community that have been made via the internet. So even, um, yeah, within Melbourne, I know that we've got quite a strong community and I think Sticky definitely plays a part in that because there is a place for people to meet um, and, you know, and congregate in a, in a space and they've all got a like-minded interest. But I also do credit, like, the internet. There are zine Facebook groups um, and, you know, just, yeah, through that, just being able to meet different zinesters um, and, you know, find about find out about different zine opportunities that might be happening, like, interstate or internationally because there is quite a bit going on. So I think it's just the internet hasn't, um, I wouldn't say, negatively impacted the zine. It's just sort of given people a different way to connect um, and, you know, therefore sort of expanded the community. Yeah, and it's probably never felt more uh, relevant and important with, you know, the current situation that we are living in, kind of going in and out of lockdown. Um, I know that, you know, this year's festival is happening online. I suppose in the last 12 months or so, we've really seen uh, the amazing work of various different kind of writing and reading festivals change to online. I'm wondering, I suppose, in the reimagining of uh, the festival this year, if you've kind of pulled ideas from other people that have been doing online festivals over the last 12 months or so. Yeah, I've definitely been looking at, um, you know, how things have been changing and adapting. Um, And I think, one of the really nice things was accessibility. Um, so I think a lot of events that, you know, normally held in person, um, you know, I was able to sort of, um, you know, watch talks or participate in workshops and things like that um, because they were online. Um, and that also sort of impacts, I guess, like a cheaper price point for that too. But um, so that for me was actually really exciting to sort of have access to things that I normally couldn't um, attend. Um, So I guess when we were formulating sort of like brainstorming ideas for how this would work um, online, I think one of the things that we did keep in mind was that it is a website um, and we wouldn't, you wouldn't ever really be able to create the full fair experience online. Um, I think that was just something we had to accept that it is going to be different. 
Um, but also, you know, there are positives of it, of um, looking at things that you can do. So we've organised a few live streams um, of different um, things. So there's some zine readings and there's, you know, a premiere of um, our uh, launch gig that's happening. So there are quite a few different things coming and it's nice to know that people from all over the world will be able to participate in some way when they normally couldn't. Mm, absolutely. I think that's a really exciting and, and I suppose, positive aspect of, of changing it to, to online for this year. I, I'm wondering how the online iteration has kind of changed the way that storeholders um, have engaged and do engage with the festival. Um, so I think it does sort of, I think a big thing about the in-person festival is um, is meeting people and chatting with them. Um, that's such a big part of the weekend. Um and it's probably one of the best parts is that, you know, everybody who's there is really happy. You know, they want to have a chat with you about themes and it's the same thing. You meet a lot of people in the community. Um, so that's definitely an element that, um, you know, it won't be there. Um, but something that we did decide um, to do, so we did want to open it up to as many people as possible. So when um, we were asking for applications, we just requested for, um, you know, applicants to provide us with, uh, you know, a link that shares their zine work. So we didn't want to make it into sort of, um, to limit it to having to be like an online store or, um, you know, a platform for them to sell things. Um, Because I think the main, main, you know, aim is to have, like, to forge a connection between people. So it shouldn't be limited to just, um, you know, people having to purchase things or zines just having to sell things. So it is really nice that people could just share, um, you know, their social media links or anything like that. And, you know, if there is a person on the website who really enjoys their work, they can still make a connection, you know, by either following them or maybe messaging them, um, as well as potentially purchasing a zine if they want to. I mean, it still retains that what I think is kind of at the essence of the festival, which is that connection point between, you know, makers and uh, and and readers, or you know, people that are really interested in um, yeah, in reading and consuming this kind of art. Um, I'd love to know, I suppose, you know, I'm just on the website and it's got the big countdown happening, which is it's very exciting and dramatic, and I love it. <laughs> um, it does kick off in two days, twenty two hours, fourteen minutes, and fifty six seconds. Oh God. Um, what can people expect from I suppose the the opening night I know that you've got a bit of a celebration of um, of bands playing yeah so um, we do have a few events that are happening um, across the weekend. Um, so some are still to be confirmed. Um, I'd say so the main one that I think um, has carried over from, um, you know, the real in-person fair, not the real fair, this one's still real. Um, but we also, yeah, so we know we have in the past hosted um, a launch gig. So that's something that we've organised as well um, for this um, yeah, for this online version, um, and it has translated to um, online. So there will be a, a video premiere of um, some zine bands um, playing um, a set. Um, so that is happening on um, the Saturday night at 6 p.m. Um, but then we've also got some launches. Um, so we've got Rutzine um, is celebrating their 200th issue. So there'll be, um, you know, a gallery of images on the website and also another video premiere. And we're having um, some live streams um, from Tegan Webb and also Glom Press 
which is very exciting. Mm, amazing. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a really exciting event and that you've done a really good job um, of making it really accessible and engaging online. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. I suppose for for people that might be listening that haven't really engaged with zine culture or have never read a zine, um, do you have any, I suppose, um, uh, I don't know, favorite scenes that you'd like to share? Oh gosh, it's, I think it's Too definitely hard. hard. Yeah, it's definitely hard to um, to definitely to pick one. Um, so I'd say, if, like, if you didn't know and you just wanted to get started, I'd say if you come into Sticky, we actually have a free zine section, um, which I think is really great. Um, and you know, that's you know a free, easy way to sort of start learning. Um, we do stock a zine that's released weekly called You. And that has been released, I think, each week for maybe over 20 years. Um, so that's, um, I think that's a really sort of iconic zine um, to sort of look at and start with. Um, but just definitely if you haven't, you know, engaged in zine, um, in zine or if you're not part of the zine community or don't really know much about zine, I would just recommend if you come into Sticky um, and, you know, spend some time browsing through the shelves, see what people are making um, and, you know, have a chat to the volunteers. Um, we're all there because we love zines and we love talking about them. So when people come in and ask questions, we're always really happy to, you know, have a chat about it and help them out with, um, you know, any queries they have. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a really great festival. And I've read on your website as well that you're thinking or hoping, fingers crossed, that you might also have uh, the yeah, in-person Zine Fair in August pending COVID restrictions. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that is correct. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, it's, you know, it's been, I think it's been very uncertain. Um, you know, we yeah. just were finishing another lockdown tonight. That was a bit um, surprising for all of us in Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, it is really hard to say, but we are hoping, um, you know, come come August, um, the restrictions were lifted to the point where, you know, we can safely host, um, you know, a version of Festival of the Photocopy in person. I've got my fingers and toes crossed for you, Sam. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. We're just chatting there with Sam Regal, who is one of the coordinators at Sticky Institute, who put on the Festival of the Photocopier. Uh, it is happening online this year, and if you do want to find out a little bit more info about it, you can go to fotp.online and you can go check it out. Uh, you can also stay up to date on their Facebook page. Hey, it's come to that time where I have to do get on out of here for another day. I do want to say big thanks to my guests for joining me this afternoon, the wonderful Sukjit Kalsa for chatting to me ahead of her workshops that are happening at the State Library of Victoria. They'll be happening online, but that's who is presenting them. They are for teens between the ages of 13 and 18. Also, big thanks to Sam Regal for chatting to me all about the Festival of the Photocopier wonderful festival that one is happening online as well i'll be back with you next wednesday afternoon this is beth aq thanks for listening to the podcast of the glass house a weekly radio show that airs on triple r each wednesday we hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via twitter at bethany aq or the triple r website 